0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is running for the Board of Education for San Mono Unified School District. He is a good friend of mine. He was recently in a candidate forum where they were debating different issues, and I had the opportunity to actually sit down with him and talk to him about some of his responses because the audio... And video technical work was actually very troublesome from the from the debate. So we just sat down to clarify a couple points, talked about some really what I think to be important stuff, the idea of banning books and how that's already something that we all have in place already because we in general agree that there are some books that should not be in school and different things that are really pressing um, on the school district and on parents and educators in general. He had great answers. I really enjoyed the conversation. The back and forth was always a pleasure. And again, just very pleased to be able to sit down with him and enjoy the conversation. I know you will as well. So without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, Jesse Van Zee. I'm so happy to be sitting in front of you, I have to say. <laughs> Likewise, I know, in, in the flesh. In the flesh. Thank you for making the time to do this. Yeah. I, I was so pumped. I was, again, in for a really quick trip, and uh, the fact that you were able to carve out time is awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be sitting here and chatting with you.
0: Okay, so I tried. I genuinely tried to watch the uh, the board meeting where where you were with- The debate. <sighs> the debate. Forum. Yeah. I know. I know. I know <laughs> if you could call that, but the, okay. First off, if you're elected, no, hang on. When you're elected, can we just agree that you're going to do something about the technical nature of these meetings? Because like the audio going out in your opening statement, I was like, this, this can't be happening. Like, yeah. This is for real. And you're just sitting there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people turned it off at that point, And then it actually led to this whole conspiracy online that I saw a few days later. And I was like, Oh, wow, this is going like deep in the conspiracy <laughs> level. We just actually, the, the AV was not really set up that well. I think yeah. they, they thought they had more um, equipment than they did. And then they were scrambling day up to try to make it all work. So we were all on like Zoom, like a Zoom camera meeting right. on individual laptops. And then we were also holding a house mic that we were all sharing. There was a lot of COVID jokes <laughs> that happened before then too, that we were going to give each other COVID. So yeah. it was funny.
0: Yeah, well, you're still here, so that's good. I'm still yeah, here. Yeah. I mean,
1: they didn't take me down.
0: Yeah, didn't take you down. So uh, listen, first off, one of the things, they, they did later publish the Zooms, right? So yeah, I they was did. able to watch yeah. your opening statement. I was, very, I was very taken by a couple things in particular. One, that you, it's almost like the classic presidential uh, statement, like I'm everyone's president. I'm not like a Republican president. <laughs> and you, you were really emphasizing like, look, I'm not taking money from any yeah. you know, union. I'm not taking money from any particular group. Because our kids, we don't have you know, union kids. We don't have special interest group kids. We just have kids. And all of those kids need somebody who's going to make decisions for all of the kids, not Absolutely. the special interest stuff.
1: Absolutely. And that, and that is what I, I felt from day one. I, I thought one of the biggest problems that we're seeing, and it's it's problems where I'm questioning why did they decide that way? And is there influence? Of course, right? There's the, the problem in DC is not that we don't have enough lobbyists. The problem is that there's a lot of lobbyists and you're questioning, well, why did that senator do that? Who's their, who's their funding coming from? Um, school board, it should be much more simple. This is a, a nonpartisan seat. You're representing the community. You're representing voters in your area. You're representing kids and parents. And yes, you're also hearing from the teachers and the teachers unions and these special interest groups. But I want to be able to hear from them all on an equal playing field so that if I do decide something, you're like, well, I, I don't have to ask myself the question, is that because Jesse has you know got a lot of money from a certain special interest group during the election and he, he knows who's buttering his
0: bread? The, the thing that gets me, even, even on the small po- uh, political level, is that everyone acknowledges that money on a federal level in politics is a problem. Yeah. E- even on a state level. Yeah. You know, people, people recognize that there are real problems with, with people running campaigns and just essentially being bought for yeah. lack of a better term by, by political contributions. But it's kind of like here, it's almost like it doesn't make sense. To, it's like a short circus. You know, you have Servian, they don't just represent teachers, they represent a lot of people, but they're their budgets are very, very much determined by the board's direction, right? Yeah, like you guys absolutely. can decide to give them raises, you can decide to give them more or less, you can affect their bottom line. And the fact that they're able to then say, all right, well, look, I'm, I'm let's say Matt's running for board of yeah. education. And I look at them, I'm like, listen, you elect me, I promise I will take care of you guys after the fact. Like it's gonna be great. And then they can politically contribute, they can monetarily contribute, yeah. get me elected. And then I pay them out. So then everyone's like, well, why is Matt advocating for like a larger than inflation increase in in wages? Or why is he advocating for more of this or more of that? It should never be a question about where my allegiance is. It should never be a question of like, is it even possible that he is making this decision because he took money from them?
1: And, and you would never see something like that on a corporate board, right? On a corporate board, you need unbiased people too who, who aren't being paid off by a portion of a company or a competitive company or something like that. You want to have a neutral board. Same thing for school board and maybe even more important than a corporate board. Um, I think actually unions are great. Collective bargaining, they preserve teachers' rights, they protect them. I think they serve a great role um i also think that there's a misconception that, that there is a big difference between teachers and the teachers unions so kind of this whole thing of like if you're not willing to take an endorsement or dollars from the teachers union then therefore you must be against teachers it's a false premise um, I meet with teachers all the time. We talk, we, you know, even the teachers sometimes feel like, hey, the unions have to decide on one path forward. And sometimes that's not the way I agree with either. So it's all there's all different pieces of the puzzle. I want to be able to listen to all of them and go, yes, I've heard you all. We're still going to chart a course forward, but that's going to be based on, you know, me as one person on this board, what I think is the best path forward. And, and you won't have to question where the dollars came from,
0: right? And again, the misconception that arguing against political contributions is like arguing against an organization's existence is so laughable. Yeah. It's like yeah. you can love teachers no. union. You, yeah. you can say it is very. I mean, because look, the teachers. Are like, if I'm a high school math teacher, I don't know the nuances of my contract. Like, yeah. I'm not a. I'm not a contract. And, and the idea the that you could have thousands. Yeah. yeah, like you could have thousands of people that are here that are education specialists and like. Look, I really didn't read the fine print. Like yeah. I I got to be honest, I was focusing on my lesson plan or or whatever. So, it's absolutely important that you have representatives that are that are have these people's best interests in mind that are that are fighting for them because again, as as um uh, and Katzberg actually said on a podcast I did, she's like, look, the, the student's classroom is the teacher's workplace. That's and I, right. I watched that quote. But yeah, it, she, yeah. It, she was like, We're, the teachers largely advocate for more quality classrooms and, more, and better working conditions because the better working conditions are better classrooms for kids. Like, that's yeah. their workspace. So again, it, you can love the teacher's union. You can, you can, at the very least, say the teacher's union is very important, but... They should not be contributing financially to one candidate or another, because at the very least, you will always have to question that candidate's motivation when they make a decision. And that's bad for the teachers' union, too. Yeah, like you could protect agree. the teachers union by saying, "Teachers union, you don't get to pay any money," and that way, no one will ever accuse you of pulling strings. Yeah, that seems like a far more compassionate and neutral position.
1: Yeah, you get to lobby us just the same way that the the parents do, the community does. Everybody gets a voice at the table, and every all the stakeholders do have to get together and make those the, their pleas and their their conversations be heard to the board. Right. I just want it all on that equal playing field. And right. I think that that's actually going to drive more unity in our district. Um, right now there's, there's just more and more divides that are cropping up. Right. So,
0: yeah. And when, and again, once you upregulate better, better conversation, Right, where, yeah. where where you're pushing better ideas, you're pushing better discourse, you're pushing. It's like the best idea is going to win the day, and if yeah. you have a better argument, you bring it to the table. You, if you have a better consideration, you bring it to the table, and then we work diligently to weigh and measure and understand who is who is bringing the slightly yeah. better argument, and that's how you get that's how you get the best combination.
1: Absolutely, and there should be that constant tension there, right? It's never something that's one and done. There's a constant tension of like, all right, what are we deciding? That's why we have board meetings. That's why there's right. governance here. That's why you you don't just have one meeting right per year and right. call it done. No, you're constantly having oversight and governance for
0: this. Right, and that that obviously leads into you know larger discourse at the meetings because yeah. as as somebody watching the meetings. I would never know. You would never know what the thought process was, why people did things. And especially if you're going, you know, unanimous decisions with very little thought or yeah. very little discussion, rather. I don't want to say they weren't thinking, but yeah. very little discussion. Even if the individuals have, even the individual board members have very clear, valid reasons for doing things. If they don't even air those out, say like, hey, look, this is my thought process on this. This is my thought process. And it's like yeah. the Supreme Court. Everybody puts out like, this yes. is why I was thinking this. And this is why I was thinking that. Like, give me a paper, yeah. like just ri- write me an email. It's like, this is why I decided this way. And it was not, you know, popular vote or it was popular, whatever it is, just tell people more transparency of thought.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing too, as I look at some of these meetings, it's like, it looks like a little bit like the thought process happened in somebody's mind, not in the, in the public. So I think you have to work diligently to make sure that like this thought process that I had in my head when I was looking at this and I was asking these questions and getting answers before this public facing meeting, I am now going to ask a question to which I know the answer to this person, knowing how they're going to respond. Why? Because the public needs to hear it. Right. They need to hear that question. They need to hear the response and have that information in front of them. Right.
0: So. Right. Okay. So other things from this, uh, this debate that I thought were worthy of note. Um, first off, there is... There is some weird thought process going around that if you are not in favor of every single hardbound book in every school level, then you want to burn Catcher in the right.
1: Yeah, talk to me about this. <laughs> no, and and it's this it's this huge like you've got these two extremes. You're either for all content and you're good, or you're or if you want to limit any content. At any age, going to kids, then somehow there's these images of Berlin and Nazis burning books in big piles. I mean, this is this is kind of the the thought concept. Um, The other thing is, is nobody in this district is trying to ban Catcher in the Rye. Nobody's trying to ban To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, Nobody's trying to ban 1984. Um, Nobody's trying to do that. So there's it quickly goes to this red herring of like people want to get rid of our classic literature. I don't want to get rid of classic literature. Like, that is right. an insane idea. Um, all kids benefit from this classic literature that we've had in our schools for years and decades and decades. Um, there's an age-appropriate time when that stuff's introduced. You know, Brave New World, you don't give that to a third grader. You don't (laughs) give Brave New World to a third grader. They'd be like, what? I mean, their mind would be blown. They wouldn't know what it was talking about. They'd be super confused. Right. Um, So obviously, educators have thought through this process well before we started talking about, like, if books are going to be banned. There's always been a, a civil discourse on, what's an age appropriate time to introduce a book? Is it valuable to actually introduce? I mean, this is one thing that I brought up at the debate. Hey, you have a finite amount of time with these kids every day. Right. The reason why parents send their kids to school is to be educated in knowledge and skills that's going to help them in life. So math, science, reading, writing, you know, and we're experiencing pretty big declines in math, especially right, right. now. Um, so, you, what, what are we taking away from? In literature, too, is there adding value by, by reading these, these classic pieces? Of course there is. There's a ton of value to be extracted from there. So we're not talking about banning classic literature. But um, here, I'll show you this. So this is actually something from the district's website. It is every approved literature book, novel, K through 12. Okay. The district already agrees that there's a process on reviewing books and approving them and what age they're appropriate for. So this has been going on for decades. So in our district, they're already talking. like This acknowledges that not all content should be in all classrooms. Right.
0: Let's be really clear. The idea that we would censor or delay uh, delivery of a certain uh, book, be it classic literature or otherwise is already in play. Like we yeah. already have regulations with common sense media. We already have regulations with number of, of, um, non-approved books within a classroom. So w- one of the things, and I had a long podcast about, uh, the book George, Yeah. the, the reason that George, which is about, by the way, let's be really clear about, I believe he, uh, George is nine or 10. Um, pff, I'm going to botch this one. Okay. So George is a biological male in elementary school, I believe, who feels that George is a female. And the book talks about him wanting or talks about cutting off genitalia talks about searching the internet and then destroying search history it it, it,
1: gender replacement hormones gender replacement hormones
0: it portrays all of the male role models as these like alcoholic crazy porn addicted Uh, george's older brother is this like violent porn addicted weirdo and then george's friend is uh, george's friend's dad is like always drunk and passed out on the couch it's just it's a very crazy so book. So, if
1: that was a movie or a cartoon, would you let your four would you let your fourth grader or your fifth grader watch that?
0: Well, how about this? What if it wasn't about a biological boy? What if it was a story about a biological girl who is thinking about mutilating herself? Yeah. Right. It, it, the, the book did, does depict very clearly this uh, biological boy lying in this bathtub, him describing his genitals, floating the like. If yeah. that was about a, a biological girl, people would lose their minds. But yeah. because it's about a biological boy, and uh, I, can't, I can't.
1: Well, I think people but, are losing their mind either way because but, I, it, it's just inappropriate content to have in front of a kid. Right. So we were right. talking about that tension before. Yeah, great. I don't think that we're going to decide today every single book that should be in a kid's right. classroom. But. Those should be discussed in a transparent fashion. The parents are the primary stakeholder in their kid's education. The parents do have a say in what their kid gets to be exposed to. One of the pushbacks, I mean, we've been doing all these farmer's markets, and we're having lots of great conversations. I would say a lot of people are incredibly concerned. Most people are incredibly concerned about critical race theory and gender ideology being taught in school one of the top questions I get. And it's not in the pro. It's not in the, hey, are you going to protect this? Every once in a while, somebody will talk about that. But the pushback that we'll get is, well, so you as a parent don't want your kid to be exposed to something. So you're going to screw it up for everybody else. That again is a misnomer because it is not everybody else that wants this. And also, we're not talking about banning this from the United States of America. Okay. And let, yeah. if, if I may, I do not mean to yeah. interrupt. But no, let's be really me. clear.
0: If somebody comes up to you like, all right, Jesse, so um, you don't want your kids to be exposed to this. And so you're going to screw it up for everyone. Number one thing. Um, that's not true because I do want to have this conversation with my kid at home. At home yes. I yeah. will be exposing my child to these ideas, to these ideologies, to these ways of thought. I yeah. will be the one that talks to them about birth control. I will be the one that talks to them about their their bodies, their, their yeah. gender. Absolutely. I, the parent, will expose my child to the ideas and the philosophies that are prevalent in yeah. our society so they can function appropriately. I will not tolerate unknown yeah. and ill-trained individuals Talking with, I don't know, a third grader about whether they're gay or not or or, or, all these things. So no, the idea that just because I don't necessarily want this taught in school, I don't want my kids exposed to this is a total lie. That's not it. Who who are the teachers doing this? How are they trained? Where did they come from? Did we just all of a sudden spring like dozens and dozens of like incredibly well-trained social workers and and psychologists that can discuss this stuff with, I don't know, eight year olds? No, we didn't. No. So you're literally repurposing adults that have already been on campus, for were hired for some other purpose that are now talking to your children about these things that I think you would agree should largely be discussed at home. Absolutely, and and again, it's not all
1: teachers. Uh, there's actually probably most of the teachers are not pushing these things yet in classrooms, but there is there is pressure from the top down to introduce this to every grade level and in every subject. And that's what the teachers are telling me, the teachers that are meeting me with me in private and saying, I'm getting marked down on my reviews, my job reviews, if I do not include this stuff. Right. So right, there's pressure. That's not exactly the teacher who's been here for 25 years. That is that is top down management of this stuff getting into classrooms. That's why you gotta go to the Board of Education and go, "All right." From the top down, we also have to restructure this.
0: Right, right. It's not that you want these ideas to disappear. It's not that you don't think people shouldn't be able to talk about this. It is just... we can't have all of these missions in school if your Mm -hmm. mission is to teach math if your mission is to teach English literature writing to educate people in a manner that will allow them to go acquire a job or go on to further education once they graduate you can and by the way you have to work on their citizenship and by the way you have to teach them about government and by the way you have to do you have too many missions if then you throw on it's like I have to take uh, Jesse's you know whole thing from the age of kindergarten all the way to senior in high school I got to make sure I'm Deconstr- checking in yeah. with him, deconstructing, deconstructing his you, be rebuild you back up. It's like, that can you just focus on trig? Yeah. Can we just, can yeah. we just get back to sine, cosine <laughs> <Yeah>. tangent? <laughs> you know, awesome. cause I mean, last I checked, that's kind of hard to learn.
1: It is hard to learn on your own. So I, you know, I, I do, I do agree. I think we, you know, this is kind of a big concept that we're talking about, but I do think that when we're talking about books and things that the content that the kids are being introduced to in class, um, it's an important discussion to, to happen in full transparency. The parents need to be aware of it. The parents can't have their kids exposed to something and find out about it later. Um, I mean, I think um, maybe our first podcast we were talking about, you wouldn't accept that from a parent down the street that you send their kid to and, and go hanging out at their house. Why are we then supposed to accept this from our schools? Um, these are trusted you know, experts in the field of education but, I, you know, I'm an expert on my child and I'm an ex- expert on when they should be exposed to things and when they shouldn't be. And I've got five kids. Each one of them is hitting different developmental strides at different ages because they're all unique individuals. So right. I even have twins. The twins aren't ready for the same thing at the same age. right? Like that's, and as a parent, I'm the only one that
0: knows that. Right, and again, it it, yeah. it was such a beautiful point when you brought that up originally, which is if, if somebody was ex- exposed to something down the street like this, like a like a well intentioned parent, I'd be like all right, well, my kid's never come back. to your Or like yeah, I'd have I, something I'm really clear to t- Be like, all right, listen, happened, yeah. I, uh, I understand you thought this was a good idea. It wasn't a good idea from Bad my standpoint. Idea, Bad yeah. idea. I know my kid. Please don't ever talk about this stuff again if I'm going to allow my kid to come back to your house. Or like maybe your kids just come to my house and like we just <laughs> – yeah. but, but the point is that being exposed without even knowing. Like we, we can opt out. Yeah. We, we can have our kids opt out of sex ed. Yeah. Right. At some age, like fourth grade or sixth grade or totally. whatever, the, whatever the ages are, why is it we can't have them opt out of the gender discussion in kindergarten? Yeah. Right. Like I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to give my kid the option. Right. Or, or some parent might say, I don't want my kid confused about. Uh, they, they thought, uh, the same, my kid thought he was a boy his whole life. Yeah. And then somebody's like, but how do you know? It's like, dude, he was, he's five. He was pooping his pants. Like, you know, <laughs> he three was, years he ago, he was barely, he's like he's a big, he can't, he marginally can brush his teeth. Right. Like, and here we're introducing this idea that it's like, Oh, you may not actually be a boy. He's like, for real. Like, what do you mean? It's too much. Why can't we opt out of yeah. that?
1: So check, so. check this out. This mom came up to me. Um, we were uh, chatting at farmer's market she's like, Jesse. She's like, I had to sign a permission slip for my kid to watch Little House on the Prairie in elementary school, an episode in class. She's like, so why do I have to sign a permission slip for Little House on the Prairie? But I'm not even allowed to be a part of the conversation of if they're getting gender ideology, some of these read aloud books that are being pushed by activist groups inside of the classroom. Um or or other things. She's like how come I have to opt into Little House on the Prairie but I have to dig through and try to discover what else is being taught.
0: Right, does Little House on the Prairie challenge their like fundamental identity yeah. self? This podcast is brought to you by MTU Studio. Check us out on Instagram, your one-stop shop for social media content. If you're professional, you're a small business, you're trying to do your thing, you're trying to support your customers, you do not have time to make daily videos and content for your social media platforms. MTU Studio has you covered. So check us out on Instagram or just give me a call. Be happy to walk you through different ideas, even set up some pilot programs so you can see what we can do. Like this no. Little House on the Prairie yeah. shatter their assumptions that the world is filled with boys and girls and yeah. like, that's just the way like, I didn't know. Frontier
1: life was rock, that, that that damaging to the you know, psyche right? of a child.
0: Like, Oh my God, she's wearing a <laughs> dress. Like, do all women have to wear dresses? dress? It's like, no. And yeah. by the way, the bonnet doesn't look good. Like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Little house on the prairie is not that scary yeah. or that fundamentally challenging to their life. But this stuff is, yeah. it is fundamentally challenging to what they think is, is reality of the world. Absolutely. And you're doing this without consent. With five-year-olds. Now, yeah. I will talk. I have three kids. I will talk to them about this stuff when I am ready to talk to them about Absolutely. it. I do not want them to be. I want them to be fully integrated and fully capable of functioning successfully in society. And yes, part of those things are the job of the school, like uh, literature. And again, I, I work with my sons on, on. I'm an educator. I believe in helping them with math and reading and all of these things. But I, I outsource a lot of that to the public school system. Totally. And that that is the purpose of the public school system to make successful people. But there are aspects of it that are not the school stuff. Like yeah. one of the greatest criticisms people have is that school doesn't teach you about money. Right. And yeah. everybody needs money. Yeah. Right? Like and you, and, and, and yeah, everyone yeah. needs it. But we we have acknowledged that it's like, hey, it's in poor form to talk about money. Like you just don't talk. Like However much money Jesse makes or however much money Matt doesn't make, like we're not, (laughs) we're not, we're just not going to talk about that because it's like, it's, it's tasteless. It's not. Yeah. And by the way, this is a fundamental happening. Every single second of your life is run by money, but we don't talk about that. Why is it that money is off the table, but all of a sudden we can talk about like genital mutilation?
1: Yeah. Well, good, good, good point. Well, and I think that's the thing too, is just where where I think the schools can meet the parents more eye to eye is just going, Hey, these conversations are going to be more in public. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be doing this in conjunction with you and respecting you. That doesn't necessarily mean that like, Oh, everybody, you know, okay. You don't want your kid to read, you know, catcher on the rise. so now it's not anywhere in the school. It's that's not happening. So we're focusing a lot of time on things that aren't happening. The other thing that I was thinking about too, Matt is why is books really the sensitive thing? Cause we're not worried about music or movies and censoring those in schools. Right. Like we're not, we're not listening to like, like some hardcore rap in as like a morning dance song. Right. We're not listening to Eminem right. uh, in third grade. Right. Um, because we look at movies and music more as like this entertainment value, but then there's this emotional heartstring tug by saying books, right? Because this is education and books are education and so they, they, they really, I think, conflate the, the whole emotional appeal of you want to stop books. You want to stop education. So I think that that's really like the nature of this talking point that we heard at the debate. It was, you know, you know what do you think about critical race theory being in class? And what do you think about book banning that's happening across the country? Well, the thing is, is there's really not a lot of book banning happening across the right, country,
0: right? And to be to be really clear, I'll pop up on the screen um, some some images of books that that are in our school districts right now, yeah. And um, and I think should absolutely be like books like Gender Queer. I don't know if yeah. you've looked into that, but it's, well, like,
1: it's not on this list. So so here's the other thing. There's there's also this. We've acknowledged there's an approval process for right. books, and then there's the loophole, right? And that, and that therein lies the problem is that there's this loophole that can allow any of this content in schools without visibility, without board approval. And the pushback that you get on that is like, you want to, you want to control every little aspect of my life as an educator. Look, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. And you know what I would say for the most part, teachers in our district have great intentions for our kids. They want what's best and they want to do this. As more and more pressure comes, that's the thing too. Not all these books are being brought into classrooms by Mrs. Smith in third grade. And she's just like, I really want to introduce this book to the classroom. There are activist groups around the country that their sole mission is getting these books into the hands of kids through the channel of the public school, not through the channel of the parent. So they're doing this um, state farm got busted about gosh, six months ago. Cause they were working with a program called gender cool and gender cool was all about getting these, this set of books into the schools and, and kind of like, you know, going around, doing an in run around the parents and then state farm had to back off really quickly. Cause everybody's like, I'm going to cancel my insurance. Right. If, if you're, if you're there, to To do this, you're not being a good neighbor.
0: Like there was, there, I don't know. <laughs> this did is you, not good neighbor. Did you Did you hear about any of that stuff? That I was didn't happening? hear about that. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. There's There's an enormous uh, man. It really plays both ways because there There was this enormous push uh, over the last few years, which is if large corporations like State Farm aren't coming out and aligning themselves with activist groups, then like they're anti-trans or they're anti, yeah. you know, racial equality. Yeah. But then the problem is the activist groups are not well intentioned. They're yeah. not. They're They're not even if this activist group is really like, Hey, look, we, we, we want to help kids. We want to help parents. We want to help. We want to help the world in general. And, and we think books are a great way to do it. Okay. Well then have the books out on the table. Mm -hmm. Express to me why you think this book is a good idea. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's not do this end run around the parents, squeak these in. And then under the guise of you can't ban books, like say you're a bigot or whatever. And 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 get these books in. So again, I, I didn't know specifically about the State Farm one, but I've heard of these stories where all of a sudden people are like, hey, hey, if you want my money, if you, the corporation, want my money, you better stop working with with activist groups that are acting in a less than scrupulous way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so these books are coming into our schools through those mechanisms too. And I, I think that there's this concept that it's just a well-meaning teacher who just wants to show this to you know their classroom and wants to introduce this and and have equality and diversity and equity, um, all those things are great things, but you have to include the parents as part of that conversation. Right. And as a parent, like there, you know, you've heard the term "mama bear." There is no quicker way to piss off a mom than to mess with her kid, and that's what you're seeing. Like, why are school board meetings so contentious? Why Why are parents frustrated? Because when this stuff happens to their kid without their knowledge, parents know like, hey, when the bell is rung, you can't unring the bell and put the sound back in. Now you're dealing with it. Now you're going, okay, you saw that, let's process that um, you know, your, your kid sees them. I mean, I've made this mistake as parents before too. You're like, Oh, that sounds like a great movie. Let's watch it. Oh yeah. yeah, It's only rated PG or maybe it's PG 13. You're like, I might be on the edge. You don't do your due diligence. You don't review it. And then something happens in the movie and nightmares are happening for the next week. And you're like, I can't believe, like, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) I'm not going to screw up this way again. And it's hard. So I get this as a parent. Like, it's like, we're constantly, my wife and I are having conversations. Is this okay? Should we watch it first?
0: right
1: like uh, I kind of just want to like be lazy and just watch it like what they you Like because like, a parent we're constantly dealing with this tension why can't why shouldn't we be doing this also at the school level right we watched
0: uh the original ninja Turtles with our boys the other day oh yeah oh, yeah my gosh. it was great from like yeah. 1990 right I was turning yeah. like it was my eighth birthday was, like one of my and favorite I went movies. I went to that movie dressed as a ninja turtle like green face I had my shell yeah. like, the <laughs> whole thing and now I realize as a parent I'm watching it like do they swear a lot in this they're a saying lot. like damn, and yeah, I think they said, no. like, shit once or yeah. something. I was like, holy cow. Like, yeah. I mean, can we tone it down the same thing with uh, – we watched the uh, live-action Winnie the Pooh. Oh, um, wow. uh wow. Uh, Peter um, – uh, Christopher Robin. Christopher right, Robin. Right. Okay, yeah. Um, and there's a there's a depiction of uh, like Christopher Robin's essentially like coming out of childhood and becoming a man. Like his parents die and he goes yeah. into an orphanage and then he goes into war and like people are dying and this, So there's this like, 10 like oh second, 15 yeah. second scene where these bombs are going off and he's like diving into the mud and it's like World War II and my wife and I're like Shit! Did we screw this one up? Like, no, here? no. Traumatize like their six-year-old children is the going to freak out <laughs> yeah. every time he sees a Pooh bear <laughs> yeah. or something. Like, and then the doll was talking. Yeah, you
1: know that's the scary part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean,
0: like, think about it. It's like, you have you have these uh, again classic pieces of literature like Winnie the Pooh. It's like yeah. we're not looking. uh, excuse me i shouldn't say we but people that are advocating to temper the introduction of new books into public education i have never heard people say we need to walk back to you know like jim crow laws and and eliminate catcher in the rye and get rid of 1984 and brave new world is gone like no one's saying that they're saying hey Just because something is made of paper and it has binding and it has a front and a back cover does not mean that it has a place or should have a place in our public schools.
1: Absolutely, and and at certain age levels too. Like we understand this in movies, a kid can't walk into a movie theater and watch a rated R movie. Why are they banning movies in movie theaters, Matt? Why? Why are they being so suppressive? Didn't let a
0: six-year-old see Total Recall? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Two weeks. I can't believe
1: those horrible, like you know. Cinemark's got to go, right? Like they're horrible people uh, for doing that to children. No, it's the same concept. They're like parents and right parental guidance. There's a, there's a movie category called PG and PG 13, right? You get parental guidance over this or you need to be 13 and it's a PG slash 13 movie. Right. And I look at that as a parent and go, okay, this gives me a cue on what I need to be, what I need to be thinking about.
0: Right. Or the so. category of G, which nobody wants to watch, when <laughs> the kids are bored. Yeah. They're like, "There's no action at all. It's it, literally just a balloon unless flying it's a the ni- sky. Unless
1: it's a 1980s G movie, and you're like, "This is PG 13." Oh
0: my <laughs> gosh. We watched the uh, we watched the original Peter Pan cartoon like okay. six months ago, and it was amazing because like that's a racist ass. They have like yeah. the, the Indian chief the Indian smoking a peace yeah. pipe, <laughs> and he's like, they're all red, and you're like, I can't. You're like, ooh, and, cringe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so cringe. And uh, and Disney Disney was in a tough spot. because... Because they're like, all right, look, we can't get rid of the original Peter Pan, yeah. but this is some racist ass shit. So, like, what? Do, so, Let's they use a massive disclaimer at the beginning of like speaking out against racism and all these things. Because so they're like, we're stuck. This is a piece of history. Yeah. Like cinematic history. We're stuck with this. So, we have to, we're going to allow people to see it. OK, but we're also going to make comment on it, which is very similar to uh, the criticisms people have now of, of history teachings. It's like we're not yeah. going to deny no. this, that or the other. Like I'm not going to deny that the Holocaust happened. Like we're going to make comment on it. We're not going to blame certain indiv- uh, like contemporary individuals. Yeah. Right. Like obviously Hitler's default. Yeah. Right. But like <laughs> these so, yeah. these historical things happened, and we're going to make we're going to teach them right? But we we may or may not make additional comments on it. I mean, one of the biggest issues I have now is, I mean, circling back to the CRT thing, which is, hey, look, you're a fair-skinned guy, and somehow you're responsible for atrocities and slavery. And if you're not standing on the street corner speaking out against it actively, then yeah. you are standing with the oppressors instead of the oppressed. And, you know, like all these, just like, well, well, you can't yeah. do that. And
1: that came up at the debate. And right. so that was one of the things that actually looking back on it, I'm like, I should have actually hit on that harder. Um, but you know, it's, it's live format. You got 90 seconds and you're just like, right. You don't know what the questions are before. So you just, you're just going, you're speaking from the heart. Um, critical race theory. The big misnomer is we're not teaching critical race theory in our schools. Okay, there might not be a line item in the curriculum that says critical race theory, but if you look at the ingredients of what critical race theory is, it is being taught in our schools. These books are introduced in class. There is a push from the state level down to include these in our classrooms, and as parents... Parents don't want this and they don't want it because it's a toxic thought for their kids, regardless of of your race or your gender or your sexual identity. So my premise for all of critical race theory is the most toxic components of it are saying that based on things that you can't control, the color of your skin, your gender, your sexual identity, that you are fit in these categories of you're an oppressor, like young white male. You are an oppressor for the atrocities of everybody that came before you that looked like you. If you're a young black girl, you're oppressed your whole life because you're female and you're black. I think that is a toxic prison to put a young mind in, and I don't want that being forced on our children. And you know what? Parents don't either. Parents across the board don't want that forced
0: on children. It's a toxic ideology. Right. I have not. I have not heard a great argument for. Um teaching critical race theory. And, and the argument is always, always, it, it doesn't matter what board, board meeting you go to, where in the country, the, the, the argument is always, we, there is no book that is based on critical race theory in our schools, no one is teaching this. And it always comes down to, it's like, all right, well, uh, di, okay, are, <laughs> are you teaching about, like, people being oppressed? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we're doing that. It's like, okay, are you um, are you talking about, like, marginalized groups and you know people that are marginalizing them and are you talking about all these different dynamics they're like oh yeah we do that and they're like Okay, so you're teaching critical race theory. They're like, no, 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 we never say CRT. It's like, okay, there's an aspect of spirit versus the letter, right? So yeah, critical race theory perhaps may have had its origins in law schools and these like these tomes books that were like these massive weird psychological experiments on like, let's categorize people and then, you know, extrapolate based on their skin color, what they must have gone through and what other people must not have gone through. Yeah. Perhaps it started there. Yeah. But now you can boil it down to like a 30 second thing, which yeah. is like, Jesse, you're a straight white male or at least white looking male. Yeah. Cause I'm Mexican, but I'm white passing, <laughs> right? Like, white so passing, you, is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, it's white. Okay. No, it's a thing. Oh, I've wow. been criticized. Okay, wow. I'm like, I'm, I'm a minority. Like my grandparents came from Mexico. You're, my dad, you're
1: like, a white Hispanic.
0: Yeah. No, okay, they're, right, they're like, you okay, you might be Mexican, but you're white passing. So okay. like you get all of the benefits that white people get because you look like a white person, even though I was like, it's Just so complicated. Shoot me in the head. This yeah. is way too complicated. But it's like yeah. it, 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 the, the idea that you can extrapolate things about what people's life experiences yeah. were, what their thoughts were, and then blame them categorically for some of the most atrocious actions yeah. of human existence based on their skin color. It's like you couldn't well, come up with and, something worse. And that's the distinction. Yes, people were oppressed.
1: 100%. Nobody's disagreeing with that, right? Slavery existed. Uh, right. The Holocaust existed. Uh, people were targeted for their race, for their religion, all throughout history. That is the history of the world. But right. we're not trying to get rid of that. What we are trying to get rid of is saying that you, Matt, because, through no fault of your own, you're trapped here. So you are now in this category. Because of things you can't control, not because of the content of your character, not because of things that you did, but by things you can't control. Therefore, now you must be shunned or you must apologize or you must feel as if you're you're permanently being oppressed and you're permanently being um, burdened by by, um, systemic things that are against you and always will be against you. I think it's a bad way to live your life. I think it's a bad way to teach your kids to live your life. It's
0: a bad way for to teach children how to view the world. Yeah. Right? very like toxic. You you can't I had a I got in actually one of the in, in the end of twenty twenty, I got into an argument with this girl in class. It was we were working on math and she said, Well, I'm just bad at math because I'm a girl. And I'm like Okay. How does that work? Like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, societally people have pressured me to be bad at math. I'm like, walk me back on this. And she kept saying, she's like, well, I studied sociology in high school, Hmm. like for this semester. And she's like, and they taught us that uh, culturally women are not valued in math. So therefore I'm bad at math. I'm like, okay. I uh, do you have someone who has ever Jeez. told you that you because you're a girl you're bad at math? She's like no, and like we went down this entire list of things, and, and then I turned to the guys. I'm like, hey guys, ha- have you ever had an, a math teacher who was like, dude, you're a guy, you're going to be great at math? And of course, the guys are like, no, and some of the guys there <laughs> are, are struggling like yeah. enormously. They're like uh, barely yeah. surviving algebra two, and they're like. I'm not good at math. I'm a dude. Like I'm terrible at math. I'm like, yes you are, Charles. Yeah. But we'll get back to that in a <laughs> yeah. second. That's like, why you're here. Yeah, that's why you're And it's like it's just it it flies in the face of everything we know as human beings as as a culture. Like this yeah. doesn't it, it, it's a political talking point. It's not reality.
1: Well, and that's what we're saying. When I'm talking to people, uh, something that really resonates with folks when I'm chatting with them, either knocking on doors and introducing myself to them in the community, meeting them at farmer's markets, doing these meet and greets. Mm-hmm. Like this, this whole last three months of my life has been this crazy experience of meeting so many people. But they're saying, I want more politics pulled from the classroom. Like, we don't need more politics in the classroom. It's already actually making it a toxic environment. It's already making it divisive. If we want to unify, if we want to take our diversity and promote inclusivity, you got to focus on things that can. Provide the greatest amount of inclusivity. That is educating our children to the best that we can. Right. People want the politics pulled out, which is even more so why it's important that I'm not endorsed by a political party. Right. right? Um, That's not the same for my my opponents. Like they're endorsed to the hilt by political parties. They're they're been given money to the hilt by special interest groups and political parties. That's great. That's their prerogative. That is their campaign. There's actually. Technically, nothing wrong with that. It's just not what I want to do.
0: No, and we're not saying we're not saying technically anyone's broken the rules. But what we're oh, saying no, is, look, totally fine. is it is is it against the rules to be affiliated with a political party? No, not at all. Is it a good idea? No. Yeah. Right. Not for, against... not
1: for this thing. I mean, yeah, you're going to go run for Senate or yes, Congress no, or something. Me. Or, I mean, yeah. A, yeah for a school board, be,
0: whatever. Yeah. It's not bad to have political leanings. Yeah. It's bad to have political leanings when you're trying to figure out the best curriculum for a first grader because the first grader doesn't need that. Take politics out of the classroom. Take politics out of the curriculum, right? Take activism out of the curriculum. Focus back on, look, reading, writing. Let's be
1: activists for math. Let's right. be activists for reading literacy. I mean, right. we can be activists for those things. That's great. That's what school exists for. Right. And that's you know, sure, I'm an activist. I'm an activist for good education at public schools. So right. let's let's get back on that track and focusing on this this narrow aspect of what public schools should be doing. Right. And I, and I think we have to get back to common sense decisions at a board level. Right. The fish rots from the head down. So we got to make sure that there's some some common sense, you know, parental focused doesn't when you're parent focused that doesn't mean you're not teacher focused. It means you you're looking and going, "Hey, the student, the parent and the teacher make up this triad of that's where the good learning happens." And association around that. Um it's when you start getting all these other outside influences on that that it muddles the whole thing. Right. So,
0: right, right. Well, listen. We've been talking for almost an hour. God bless you. My sir. gosh, seriously? Yeah. That goes way too quick. Yeah, it does. It does indeed. <laughs> I, know, I know you're on time frame. So yeah. um, thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, elections in just like five weeks-ish? Yeah.
1: So, all right. So ballots come out in six days. They get mailed out in six days. So from basically October 10th. Through November eighth, if you have a mail-in ballot, people can be voting on that. November eighth is the big in-person, you know, voting day. So it'll be this next, you know, four and a half weeks. It's go time. But And yeah,
0: man, I a politics and money out. Yeah, common sense, middle of the road parent and transparency focused yeah. leadership. We, we
1: have a big coalition and, and, and the people that are volunteering for our team, we've got Republicans, we've got Democrats, we've got independents. We've Guess got what? Moms Everybody, and needs Everybody needs math. Yeah. Everybody needs a
0: Republican Democrat. Everyone needs math. Everybody Everyone wants knows, it. needs yeah. to know how to write. You know, that's, let's just focus on the things we know we need instead of things that that's you right. know, other people want us to need. That's right. Perfect. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thank you.